Welcome to your Friday episode of Max Sports. I'm Max. What a great coincidence that is. Welcome into your episode. I have two great topics for you today. First things first, we're going to be going into the world of college football. I have some programs that were really good last year that I don't trust this year. So teams that maybe overperformed, maybe even a Cinderella here or there. I will share the teams I think are ready to fall flat on their face. Some reasons good, some reasons bad. After that, I need to get on my own team and maybe some of the local media around it involving Jameson Williams on the 4th of July. This is just getting a little out of hand for me. Let's get into our episode. All right, so what is the first team I'm looking at? Well, it'd be none other than the Tennessee Volunteers, a team that went 10-2 and in the regular season last year with a bull victory over Clemson, a very impressive one as well. So why do I not believe in them as much this season? Well, there's a couple factors. First things first, they were not a great defensive team last year. They just had such a high-powered offense that they could cover up the mistakes that they made on defense sometimes. However, they have lost their star quarterback, Hendon Hooker, and while they have young prospects, they have a five-star quarterback in the development, and then they had a good transfer in Joe Milton, who some people believe can rejuvenate his career and really become an NFL prospect again with how good he played when Hooker was injured. I have my doubts. I look at their schedule this year. They have a very tough road schedule at Kentucky, at Alabama, at Florida. Their only other at is at Missouri, but I believe that would be a win. However, again, they do play Georgia. I'm looking, and they do have Texas A&M as well, which they have been one of the most underperforming programs in all of of college football, but that still could be a toss-up game. Bottom line is I see Tennessee getting anywhere from maybe eight to nine wins this year. I think that they aren't going to be able to keep the pace that they were last year when it came to the big upsets. I don't think they go into Bama and defeat the Crimson Tide. Saban will have them ready. And again, when you win that many games, you do put a target on your back for the next season. Sometimes a team that's usually used to beating you goes, wow, now we have to even pay more attention to this team going into next year. So I think Tennessee is definitely going to be a team that I am not very high on when it comes to next season. I think that they will definitely struggle and maybe have, and I'm not saying it's a down year as an eight or nine win season, but coming off of a year where you were college football playoff contenders, I would definitely see that as a slight down. year. Another one, and this is a different reason, but Mississippi State. Unfortunately, everyone that might have missed this one, their head coach, Mike Leach, actually passed away. And it's going to probably be a really rough year for them. All of these players committed to this team to play for this coach under this system. And without that, it's going to be damn near impossible for them to put up a, a product that is going to win them more than nine games like they won last year. I It does break my heart. Because, again, no one's expecting a team to regress like that, having a coach actually pass away, not just retire or leave. But with Mississippi State, especially with Mike Leach, how he had his offensive scheme, his his pass-heavy offense, the, the next coach coming in isn't just going to be able to replicate that with the talent that they have. So, unfortunately, I'm looking at Mississippi State as a team that's probably not going to repeat a nine-win season. Moving to the Pac-12, a team that I think I might keep my eye on as one that could really struggle, 
it would be the Washington Huskies. Now, that might be a weird one because they were an 11-win team last year. They went 11-2. and two. Actually, fairly impressive. My concern when it comes to the Washington Huskies is their schedule. So, you got at USC, you got Oregon, you got or- at Oregon State, and you're hosting Utah. And then you have a tough non-conference schedule with Boise State and Michigan State. Now, while I think they're better than everyone in their non-conference schedule, I still think that that's going to be a very tough non-conference schedule. A evening game on the other side of the country at Michigan State, that might be one of the toughest games of their season, and it's week three. And they have some trap games at Stanford, at Arizona. Those are games you can slip up on the road. So when it comes to the Pac-12, while I think Washington should be one of the favorites this year, I think that they are not necessarily the team to beat, nor do they have the talent like USC. While they have some returning players like Michael Penix Jr., who some people view as an NFL prospect at quarterback, I don't really like the thought of them being able to replicate what they were able to put out last year, uh, an 11-win uh, season. I look at this schedule as of today, I'm seeing maybe nine wins at best, which is still an impressive thing for a second-year head coach, but I think they slightly overperformed. Another team in the Pac-12, and it was actually one that I mentioned, was the Oregon State Beavers. A lot of team have, uh, a lot of people have them as this under the radar team to keep an eye on for the Pac-12 because they actually went ten and three last year. A very impressive season for a team that has really struggled over the last couple decades when it comes to putting out good football uh, football teams. The thing that worries me about them is. I think because they kind of had an under-the-radar season. I mean, they were fifth in the Pac-12, and they had a 10-3 and season. Just shows how their season really went. I have a hard time believing that this team is going to move needles and really push teams ahead of them. I they Yes, they did get 10 wins, but they went 6-3 and three in their own conference. It wasn't like they won a ton of Pac-12 games. And, you know, beat USC, beat Oregon, beat Washington, like all in the same year. And this year, they're going to have Utah. They're going to have Washington coming to them. But they also have some tough road games at Cal, at Arizona, at Colorado, and at Oregon. They go to Oregon this time for a night primetime game on Fox. So overall, I'm having a hard time seeing where Oregon State replicates this. Yes, they have. Uh, DJ Uyunglele as their quarterback. I don't think that that's necessarily a needle mover, though. Obviously, if you're taking someone else's scraps in, in a former Clemson quarterback, I don't see how that is going to move your needle and make you any better. I don't think there's any um, guarantee that Uyunglele plays better than what they had last year at quarterback. So overall, I'm not high on the poor uh, Beavers. Sorry, Beavers, and sorry, Oregon State fans. Not trying to rip you apart, but it's what I'm seeing from last year to this year. Moving on to the Big tw- or the Big Ten. Sorry, I almost said Big Twelve. Big Ten. So there's not a ton of teams that I could say might fail expectations because honestly, when I look at the Big Ten East, you got Michigan, you got Ohio State, and you got Penn State. I think. The big two would be Michigan and Ohio State. Penn State's going to try and play spoiler, 
after that, every other team is just going to try and fight to be the fourth place. Probably Michigan State, Maryland uh, have the best chance of doing that. And then you got Indiana and Rutgers who are just looking to not have their coach get fired at the end of the year. So I can't really look at the East because the only teams that I could see regress would be the ones that whoever loses Michigan, Ohio State. That would be deemed a regression, a regression because, oh, I mean, let's be honest. If if you lose that game, you're not going to the playoff. And both those teams view themselves as playoff teams. So let's look at the Big Ten West. The Boilermakers of Purdue. They lost their head coach in Jeff Brom. I think that they are due for a big regression. They struggled near the end of the season after making the Big Ten Championship. It isn't much of a competition. I will say I think that the Big Ten West has been one of the weakest conference or divisions in all of college football. Nebraska is supposed to be a powerhouse in there. They've yet to actually arrive in the time that they've been in the Big Ten. Wisconsin struggled last year. Minnesota struggled last year. Iowa, I mean, they really don't have a, a program that I can trust to get maybe over eight wins. And I definitely don't think Purdue is going to be doing that when they lost Aiden O'Connell, their starting quarterback of the last few seasons, and they lost their head coach. Expect the Boilermakers to spoil themselves and fall down the rankings of the Big Ten West. Honestly, I don't know who's going to be the favorite for it. If it's Nebraska, it would be this year, but we know how Nebraska is in college football nowadays. That is my Big Ten talk. I do like, again, I, I do like some teams in the Big Ten, but unfortunately they're all on one side. And whoever makes it out of the West usually is more of a Cinderella than they are a team that really deserves to play for a Big Ten championship. I will be happy when that all gets fixed once USC and UCLA join the West because then we no longer have to worry about, honestly, fairly mediocre Big Ten championship games. On to the Big 12, we have a couple teams that I say might regress. And unfortunately, those are the two teams that were the best in the Big 12 last year. To start things off, I'm looking at the TCU Horn Frogs. Yes, they went to the national championship. However, they got butchered. And I'm sorry, this might be more of just a mental thing, but I promise you, I think I'm right on this. When it comes to a butchering that big on national TV, then losing all of the talent that got you there, sometimes, and I'm just, I'm not trying to say give up on it before you see it happen again, because again, we are a long way from football starting. Sometimes that can be a program-destroying loss. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm a diehard Michigan State Spartans fan. I watched my team have a Cinderella run similar to TCU and go to the college football playoff in 2015 or 2016 around that year. And we went 15 and one, or not 51, sorry, uh, 12 and one. So I'm thinking of uh, NFL, but we went 12 and one and won the Big Ten championship and beat some big name teams like Michigan. And uh, we beat Ohio State that year on the road. And it was it was a miracle run and then got butchered by Alabama. It was like 30 to three and it was never close. And it was embarrassing. Derrick Henry ran all over the team. And they never have been close to the playoff since. Now, I'm not saying it's going to destroy TCU's program and they're never the same, but they lost Max Duggan. They lost Quentin Johnston. They lost a ton of defensive pieces. They, they lost a lot. And I definitely will guarantee that TCU does not return to a 13-2 record like they put up last season. I'm seeing maybe 8 or 9 at best. 
The other one is Kansas State, a 10-4 record, and they did play very well against Alabama but came up short. Kansas State was a very solid program. However, I do think they lack the recruiting to really build a sustainable program of 10-plus win seasons, especially knowing that Texas might try and actually do something this year. Um, I'm not betting on Texas to win everything because and they're the favorite every year and they always seem to disappoint you. But, I mean, the, the time where it comes to ripping on Texas could be slim. I will say I don't want to rip on these two purple teams, the, the Wildcats and the Horned Frogs, too much. While I said that those could be struggles, I do think both of those teams are set up once Texas and Oklahoma leave for the SEC to maybe be a little more competitive in the Big 12. So don't want to rip on them too much. When I look at the ACC... We have a couple nine-win teams. Pitt and Duke are two teams that I think were absolute jokes when it comes to being nine-win uh, having nine-win seasons. I don't expect either of them to repeat that. I think that the ACC has a very, very weak bottom to it. Virginia Tech was a very bad program. Miami struggled, even though they were overrated last year. Miami was terrible. Georgia Tech was terrible. Virginia... Boston College, they were all very bad teams. So I think, honestly, if you play four of those teams, you're bound to get four wins, most likely. And that's what took place with Pitt, and that's what took place with Duke. I don't expect either of them to repeat that again, and I think North Carolina is going to be the team to beat in that coastal division. So I don't think there's going to be a way that people are going to be competing with that. When it comes to North Carolina, I do have some concerns because last time they had something very similar to this, a solid nine-win season with a young quarterback who's an NFL prospect the up-and-coming season. They fell on their face and did not do as good as people thought they were going to be. They need to turn stuff around. I think they'll be able to do so. I think North Carolina plays in the ACC championship game. So those are the programs. Those are the teams in each of the Power Five conferences, I think. I worry will regress. What do you think about them? We are so close to college football starting off just about a month and a half away. I can't wait to see some good games. I know you guys can't as well. All right. What's this issue with Jamison Williams now? I'm hearing stuff. I know if we all remember the sports betting issues, bottom line is some people are mad at him, especially some Detroit media people. And I'll share why I think they're starting to get a little ridiculous about it. So what's the issue surrounding Jamison Williams? Well, I think this is the problem. It's the offseason and media doesn't have much to talk about, especially local media. So what's better than an outrage piece frustrated about a local star who's been struggling and had some off-field issues? Well, that would be Jamison Williams. Apparently, he did something outrageous, something dangerous, something career-threatening this 4th of July. He lit off a firework, and he put it on his social media page. I know. Whew. Gasp. Now, some people in the media have been talking about how this was immature. It was bad for his image because he's been suspended because it's been a problem. And like I said, it doesn't seem like that big of an issue. But this has been one of the biggest topics for some reason in Detroit media right now. And it's absolutely infuriating and very frustrating. Why is this an issue? 
There are millions of Americans and some people, well, fireworks are dangerous. You know how many injuries fireworks cause every year? Remember the football player, Jason Pierre-Paul? He he blew his hand off with a firework. You got to be careful with these things. They're dangerous. Yes. Okay, you found one example, Jason Pierre-Paul. You know how many people use fireworks? It's ridiculous that, that, they, that there's people frustrated at Jameson Williams for, for what? Celebrating the 4th of July? I don't know. It's it's very frustrating for me. Um, I don't know. When it comes to... I'm sorry. When it comes to firework usage, there's about 20-something deaths each year for fireworks in the United States. 20-something. So, there were consumed... This is actually... I looked this one up for you guys. There was a total fireworks consumption la- uh, last year of... 461 million pounds of fireworks. And yes, they are dangerous. They are not the safest thing in the world. Bottom line, though, is there's something that everyone uses on the 4th of July. And Jameson Williams took place in that. He shot a firework from his house. What is the issue? Is it because he had the betting issues? Is it because, you know... I don't understand it anymore. I, I Trust me, I have my frustrations with Jameson Williams. The problem with it, though, is when people come up with dumb stories like this, it only defends the people that have never criticized Jameson Williams for anything. His betting thing, yes, he might have not have known, but when you're a professional, you have to know. You have to know. It's your career at stake. You have to know. Because if he didn't know that he couldn't bet on the Lions, he wouldn't even be in the league anymore. So you have to know about the sports betting, but when it comes to the firework thing, it's his own life and he wants to blow up his own hand, then he doesn't have a career anymore, but he doesn't, he didn't. We're getting frustrated over something that didn't happen because guess what? We live in a world where everything is put on social media. I launched fireworks. If I blew up my hand, I wouldn't be able to use my little computer mouse to make my show anymore. Oh no. So what am I supposed to do? Not put that on social media? I didn't. Are there people that are now frustrated with me? I'm sorry. Can't listen to Max Sports anymore. He lit a firework. He he jeopardized his career. I understand Jameson Williams' career revolves around his hands. But again, his hands are still there. He was careful enough with the fireworks where they didn't bother him. He's fine. They are dangerous. I've said it before. I'm just getting tired of this narrative that he everything he does is wrong. He's a person. No one is perfect. How about you stop searching his social media like a spouse that doesn't believe in their significant other? That's creepy. Stop scanning through every person's social media and acting like every little blip is a problem. Because you know what? It probably meant you spent more time on someone else's social media complaining than you did with your own effing family uh, on the 4th of July. Sorry about the little frustration there, but really, he's a football player. Criticize him for football. Criticize him for the suspension. He's not getting suspended for lighting fireworks. And this is just another example of the media having nothing to talk about in the offseason, which is absolutely frustrating. It's just an easy click, and it's an easy book defaming a guy's character who really did nothing wrong. Maybe I'm wrong with this take, and I'd love to know what you think about it. 
But I just really think that we're kind of, this is the, oh, I'm getting too concerned over something that I really shouldn't right now. And I think that that is just tarnishing local media when it comes to the Detroit Lions. Find something better. Maybe do your jobs more. I can make a podcast without having to defame someone every day. So you do it. It's your career. With that being said, that is our end. Uh, that's the end of the episode today. We'll do that. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Enjoy your weekend. Be careful not to light fireworks or else people might be upset at you for not blowing your hand off. But who knows? <laughs> I'm Max. I'll see you on Monday. Take care. Max Sports.